everyone. Welcome to the Farm Commons podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important as many innovative farm enterprises like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. It's Eva here with Farm Commons, and we're back today to discuss legal risk management for your farm during this unprecedented time of COVID-19. Farmers everywhere, we know you are making quick and significant changes to your farm businesses that you never anticipated making, and you've had many legal questions for us during this time. In response, our team at Farm Commons is working hard to respond to your questions through this COVID-19 podcast series that's available on our website, www.farmcommons.org and on iTunes. Today we're back for part eight with our team to discuss current updates to the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, also called EIDL, and the Paycheck Protection Program, called P3. Hi Sarah, hi Rachel, thanks for being on the line. Hello. Hi Eva. So in the past five days, Rachel, you've given two Zoom presentations on both programs. First, the EIDL loan program and then the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, as you know, things are rapidly changing every day. New guidance is coming out, new updates from Congress, um, and new updates from the Small Business Administration on how these programs are being administered. Um, could you give us a, a quick recap of P3, the program, what it is, and also current updates? Right. Uh, the P3 program is potentially a really powerful resource for farmers who are suffering in in this time because if they've lost their market or other you know other things that are going on um, right now for farmers uh, the p3 program is an opportunity to get a loan uh, that should largely be used to cover payroll costs or covering the employees who work for your farm and then that loan can be forgiven it's forgiven so long as you actually use it to keep people on your payroll. Up to 25% of those funds can also be used to cover non-payroll costs like uh, mortgage interest, rent, uh, and utilities. Technically, you could use some of that, more than 25% of, of, of the loan money for those costs, but that makes it less forgivable. So um, uh, 75% of it needs to be used for, for payroll costs. Um, in order for it to be uh, forgivable, which is what a lot of farmers are really going to benefit from. A grant. Grants are great money. It's extremely hard to get such things um, for, a, for a small business. So this is a, it's a good opportunity to go forward with. Yeah, absolutely. And so with payroll costs, I'm wondering about seasonality of workers on the farm and seasonal workers and how they might be calculated into payroll costs. Exactly. So we... We did the Zoom meeting earlier where we went into great detail about who, how, what type of farms are really going to benefit from this. Um, you know, how do you go forward with this program? So first half, folks really need to take a listen 
um, to to that meeting um, and get all the basics. And there's some PowerPoint slides that uh, that accompany it. And now we have some updates, some updates on the seasonality. I mentioned in the Zoom meeting that the the most confident thing we could do would be to average our payroll from uh, March 1 to June 30th of 2019 and use that as our average monthly payroll. In the Zoom meeting, I suggested that it was kind of dicey to do what some other people were advocating, which was to select an eight-week eight period within that time frame. So if farms are able to select an eight-week period in there, they could do the month of May and the month of June. That would be a really good scenario for a lot of farms because, you know, if they have to average starting March 1, when they haven't fully ramped up for the season, they're diluting their total monthly payroll and decreasing the amount of money that they are eligible for through this program. By allowing farmers to start um, start that averaging on May 1, it'll take you know, four weeks there, and then four weeks in June to June 30th, they can get a higher monthly average payroll and thus a higher loan which could be forgiven and become a grant. The good news is that the US Treasury Department has given its blessing to, to using the, the, the eight week period preceding June 30th. So now farms can go forward with confidence um, and use their payroll averages for May and June of 2019 to determine their average monthly payroll. So to put it another way, what I said in the Zoom meeting was dicey is now not dicey. Now go ahead and do that. Yeah, that's great news, Rachel. Thank you. And so the the June 30th date, um, that's because that's when the applications for P3 are, that's the deadline, correct? Well, not only is that the deadline, um, you know, the money is going to run out um, really before then. So folks do need to try to get in line um, well before June 30th. What I also mentioned in the Zoom meeting, which is still the case, uh, this loan becomes forgivable when it is used on payroll costs in the eight weeks after, eight weeks subsequent to receiving the loan. So folks can apply now. And as soon as they have a, a loan number, um, they can choose to actually take the money a few weeks into the future. So a farm can apply now. They can get approved for a loan, um, have all the documentation in a row, and then wait. Wait until the end of April to actually pull the money and then spend it on payroll for the next eight weeks, which is what is gonna make them eligible for the forgiveness. Yeah, that's great insight on how to maximize the loan um, and how to time it to make it work for your farm. Exactly, so by, by using an average monthly payroll that backs eight weeks up from June 30th, and then by waiting to actually take the money until they're gonna staff up on, on May 1, folks will be in the best position to get the most money and make it forgivable. Yep, good strategy. Thanks, Rachel. Are there any updates regarding payroll taxes in relation to the P3 program? Right, so also in the Zoom meeting, I mentioned that it was, it was unknown whether we could include um, our federal payroll costs, payroll tax costs, when calculating our average monthly payroll. Again, Treasury Department came out with some clarifications and they said, payroll costs are calculated on a gross basis without regard to federal taxes imposed or withheld. So bottom line is, 
yes, you can include your federal payroll taxes in um, the amount that you use to calculate average monthly payroll. So um, that's great. Uh, but what I said in the Zoom meeting still stands about whether you can have the portion forgiven um, that, that you use to pay your federal payroll taxes. And let me do a little, a little preface to explain. Um, if you're an employer right now, then you, you know that your federal payroll taxes are made up of two parts. First, they're the part that they're, they're wages that you withhold from your employee and then send to the federal government. Then they're the part that you pay yourself out of the business's funds for, by virtue that you have that employee. So some of your federal payroll taxes are things that you withhold from your employees and some of them are stuff you contribute yourself. And then you send that whole pile to the federal government. You're not gonna get forgiven for the amount that is your contribution. You still have to contribute your amount and that won't be forgiven. But you can get forgiven, of course, for what you withhold from your employees and then give to the federal government. So the bottom line here is that farmers should use, should include payroll tax costs um, in their calculation when estimating average monthly payroll. The good news is that a lot of the loan calculators that are floating out there that banks are using had already been doing that. So it's a, it's, it's, um, most farms will already have, have done that. But then, it, um, then the other bottom line is do expect that you're not gonna get that amount of your employer contribution forgiven. Right, just the part that's withheld so that that employee can then get more of their paycheck with the help of the P3 program. We've been talking about farmers who have employees, but also they themselves draw income from the business. And are there any updates since the Zoom meeting about self-employment income and that being calculated into um, that payroll amount that they're right. hoping for in the loan? Right, right. Yep, that's a, that's a great clarification that we need to keep reiterating. The P3 program um, is powerful, not just for farmers that have W2-based employees on payroll and want to be able to keep employing those folks. Um, it's, it's also a resource for people who are self-employed and um, earn money from their farm, whether that's through you know, cash disbursements that they make guarantee payments or simply taking what's left over once you have your revenues and you minus your expenses. So the bad news is that no, we have not gotten a lot more clarification in the intervening 24, 36 hours um, <laughs> since, we, since we did the Zoom meeting about how to calculate um, income from self-employment. Um, there have been a few things floating out there, but nothing that has really um, come from the Treasury Department to help clarify that. I am still hopeful that as April 10 approaches closer, what's two days off now? Two days, I guess, is still a long time though in, in the world of, uh, of guidance on P3, um, that maybe some information will come out um, soon to, to give us some more guidance on this. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line there is keep talking with your lender, keep communicating with them about, uh, about what they wanna see for documentation of earnings from self-employment. Yeah, absolutely. Because every lender was likely to have different needs for documentation to administer the loan. Um, great. Right. So there, I've been seeing in the news that there might be some additional funds that potentially added to the pot of money available through both the Paycheck uh, Protection Program and Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Um, do you have any updates about 
more money being made available. Right. I mentioned that in the Zoom meeting, um, and I mentioned it in the context of don't panic. We, we have some urgency. We have urgency. We should, we should move forward. We should contact our lenders. We should try to get in line for this program, but we shouldn't necessarily panic because although it looks like this money is going fast, and it will, um, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin did say, look, if this money runs out, I will go back for more. To, he did put a dollar amount on that now. He says, look, I'll go back for $290 billion, you know, another couple hundred billion dollars um, to, to add to this funds um, if it dries up. So that point remains the same. There is some urgency. Move diligently ahead. Don't panic. Um, hopefully there is going to be enough uh, to go around for, for all those who, who need that. Yeah, and the, the great demand that is keeping all the lenders busy and giving us reports of how many billions of dollars have been requested from the fund right. is even more reason to start calculating your, your payroll costs and your self-employment costs and getting your plan of action together for your application. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to maximize it for the months of June, May and June where you are staffed up on your farm and, and make that program work right. for you. But we know it's not that easy. Things are changing every day, and um, we, we are endeavoring to update you as quickly as we can so that you can put in the best application possible and get as much fund support that you need for your farm. Right. And we're really interested in what the experiences uh, of farmers have been as they are trying to get these, these funds. Um, Sarah and I have, have been playing around <laughs> to see what are the banks in our areas uh, doing? How are they handling this issue? Um, Sarah, what are you seeing out in Oregon in terms of um, availability of, of P3 funds? Well, Rachel, I uh, put my farmer hat on and went to my uh, website for my small credit union I belong to in my small town in Southern Oregon. And uh, when I clicked on the COVID-19 resources for small businesses, the first thing to appear was notice we are not accepting any more applications. We have had such a high volume of applications. So, so that was sad. And so I thought, well, I'll look at some other banks in the area and see what they have to say. So, I went and looked at a couple other local banks here in my town and uh, on their websites. It looks like they are still accepting applications for these P3 loans. However, they did say uh, we really are giving priority to our members right now. So if you do not currently do business with us in a, um, with a, a business account, then you need to look elsewhere. So then I looked, um, outside of my area to, um, I looked at U.S. Bank, I looked at Bank of America, and, you know, they basically are saying the same thing, that they are still accepting applications, but they are only doing it for their members. So that right. puts, puts you a little out of luck if you've been doing business with just a, you know, a, a small credit union or some other institution that um, is, you know, very wonderful to work with on a personal level, but may have you know, may lack the capacity to administer a lot of these loans. 
Right. There's so much regional variation. I have definitely talked with farmers who are getting shut out because folks like Wells Fargo um, has hit a cap in terms of how many how many of these of these loans they can process for more complicated reasons than the P3 program itself. So even those who are members of or not members of, but, you know, bank with large um, institutions um, are facing problems in getting um, getting the funding. Um, Eva, you're working on um, some interviews with farmers uh, to talk about, about their experiences. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm putting together, well, I've already put together a survey um, to share with farmers who have gone through the P3 application process to see how your experience has been. Were you able to work with the bank that you're already a client of? Um, did you have to go to a different bank? What kind of documentation did they ask for? Was it a little bit, a lot? Um, have you been approved? Are you still waiting to hear back? Have you been denied? And uh, if you have been approved, we want to learn, have you had any funds dispersed? Um, have you had partial funds dispersed or all of them? Or are you still waiting to see a single dollar? So we're, we're trying to understand what farmers' experiences um, actually pursuing relief, financial relief through the P3 program and seeing or really wanting to learn how you're structuring your application and whether that leads to your success. Um, and the reason we want to gauge gauge for your success is so that we can um, identify some nuggets of wisdom that we can then share with the wider agricultural community as we all try to navigate this together so that more farms have a better shot at getting financial relief from the P3 program. And we're really interested in seeing how you farmers out there who have applied, how you've um, finessed, including W-2-based employees, as well as your own income from self-employment into your application um, in order to hit that right dollar amount to, to make the relief work for your farm to get through this hard time. So if you are interested in filling out that survey, and we would be great, very grateful if you are, um, shoot us an email at info at farmcommons.org and we will get that survey over to you. And, I look uh, forward to, to the episode that will yeah. result from it. <laughs> now that we've um, picked through all the updates for P3, I'm wondering, Rachel, is there anything that farmers need to know about the other program, um, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, EIDL? Right, right. Last Thursday, we hosted a, a, a Zoom meeting that outlined, for those who were interested, exactly how farmers have become not eligible for the EIDL program. Um, and through that presentation, we discussed, well, okay, here's the justification for why they're not eligible. But here are also all the reasons why they still could be eligible um, if SBA were to, and that Small Business Administration, were to interpret this law in a different way. There has been um, some advocacy movement to try to, to change um, the way SBA is interpreting the regulations. Um, uh, the day after we did that Zoom meeting, um, Senator Marco Rubio came out with, um, with a letter um, clarifying the intent um, of the CARES Act. Um, and it was, it, was a, it was a terrific letter because I think that that's one of the most powerful things that we could have seen happen is for Marco Rubio, who is largely an author of the CARES Act, to say, look, we meant for the EIDL funds to go to farmers, you know, I, uh, that was our intent and SBA, you should do that. 
Um, and in the letter, um, Rubio cited things like, you know, look, farmers, uh, yes, they historically haven't been eligible for EIDL funds, but we were trying to change that with this law. And second, it, traditionally SBA sends farmers to FSA, Farm Service Agency, um, for disaster funding. But look, USDA disaster assistance is not relevant to the COVID pandemic. So further, we were trying to make this money available to farms. Now, SBA hasn't at this time changed their, um, changed their interpretation or started giving the IDL funds to, um, to farmers. So um, there's still that advocacy push that is, that is happening and still a chance. But at this time, the P3 program is the stronger, um, the stronger option um, to move forward with trying to get some relief from current circumstances. Great, thanks for that update, Rachel. And it sounds like farmers can keep their eye on any news bits about the EIDL to see if and when farmers will be eligible through the Small Business Administration based on this letter from Senator Rubio. Yep. Yep, great. Well, that's those are all the updates we've got uh, so far. <laughs> keep tuning into our website. We will be back weekly with more. Um, our next episode, uh, Sarah and I, Sarah, our staff attorney, um, and Rachel, our director, will be back discussing the menu of financial relief options available. I mean, technically speaking, available, but really out there for farmers to pursue from um, federal programs to nonprofit um, grant pots of money to um, other micro loans and, and more. So we'll, we'll pick through all of those different options for farmers. Um, so you better understand the options before you. Um, but before we sign off here, I, I will say that we'll, we're going to have links to both of the Zoom meetings that we have been referring to throughout this podcast. The first one on the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, and then the second on the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, both will be linked in the show notes on our website. So do click into those links links. Um, they will both be links to folders in a program called Box that will hold the PowerPoint presentation so you can see all the slides um, that were presented as well as the audio files for the full webinar on each program. Um, so feel free to download those to your computer or your phone and listen to them as you're out in the field or out running deliveries to all the different doorsteps that we hope, hope are, are anxiously waiting for the orders that folks have placed for no contact deliveries um, because all you farmers are out there still growing and we are grateful for it. So thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening and keep on growing.